it's been like five months since everything happened. So we've kind of had that time to like be pissed off, be upset and all that. So now that this story has aired, like we wanted it out there so that we could talk to people. Adoption is already an emotionally charged experience. So many hopes, dreams, frustrations, and desires wrapped up in the process of adopting. There's a level of trust that is expected from both expectant parents and hopeful adoptive parents. The expectant parents are trusting that the hopeful adoptive parents will love and cherish their child and provide life their baby with the life that they couldn't provide. While a hopeful adoptive parent, they are trusting that the expectant parent won't back out on their decision to place their child up for adoption with you. Trust is broken when one of those parties changes the original agreement or does not show forth the integrity that is expected. Thank you for tuning in to Family Money Coaching, where we prepare couples financially. For adoption and fertility, my name is Laura Coleman, and I am your financial coach. At the very end, I will share five steps on how to overcome an adoption scam. But first, here's a story we've been waiting for to hear Ashley Aubon's story about their adoption scam they were involved with. We did end up meeting her in person. We were actually introduced from a like a long distant cousin. Her cousin, who was actually a friend of ours. So I trusted her cousin, still do. I know she had nothing to do with this. So we were, when her cousin had uh, mentioned me, actually, that clip was on that, that original message through Facebook was actually on the news. The story that had aired, it showed that clip there. And I, as, as you can imagine, like we were so excited. We were like, oh my God, like she's pregnant with twins. Like that is so crazy because we lost two babies. So we were like that, like, this is the answer to our prayers because the two babies we lost, she's pregnant with twins. They were boy girl twins. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were super stoked. The cousin had given me her name. So of course, to kind of break the ice and I'm, I'm a very impatient person. I right away just um, had uh, gone out and a friend requested her. And then we just started communicating back and forth. And of course, like I wasn't like, Hey, I heard you're giving up your babies. You know, we just kind of had that like awkward conversation. Like we knew what we were going to talk about, but we just weren't there yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, she was like, started talking a little bit about pregnancy. I'm like, yeah, congratulations. I heard you're having twins. And she's like, I'm not keeping them. So that's kind of how it started, broke the ice. And we started talking and And she told us that once that she would, once she would meet us in person, that's how she would determine whether or not that we would be the couple that she chose, because I guess she was talking to another couple at the time. At what point in time did she start asking for money or did she start asking for money? She did not. And that was the, that was the crazy thing. So she never actually came out and asked us for money. When we met her, did meet her, we picked her up where she was staying. She was living in a really nice house with two male uh, roommates that she had met. Well, I think the one she met through rehab or maybe they were both through rehab, but we knew she was in recovery. So the, the, the guys that she was living with, we met the one who was the owner of the house. We picked her up there. That was the pictures that you might have seen on yep. the we like she was about four and a half months pregnant at that point, supposedly. We took her to lunch. We spent the whole afternoon with her, and that's when she told us that like, yeah, we were the couple. And after that is when she started to kind of now looking back is when she kind of started to play that victim card of, you know, oh my gosh, the people I'm living with, they're just so mean and you know, they turned off the heat and my room is freezing. Now my husband and I you know, she got to know us and she knew our story. She knew 
the situation with the babies and our and the hysterectomy. So she totally played on that. And, you know, the one night told told us that she was driving around. It was like 930 at night. It was a it was freezing cold. She was crying because there was no heat in the house. And so we had put her up in a hotel because we were like, this woman is carrying the babies that she told us were ours. So she needs to not be driving around. And my husband was like, you know, we cannot keep putting her in hotels. She needs to find a place. We'll help her get situated to where she needs to be. So that was the first thing that we did with, and that was on us, was helping her get into an apartment. And that's when my husband said that we had given up a month of uh, mortgage because we wanted to get her into a place where we knew that she was going to be safe. Mm -hmm. So right away, she could get the feel from us that we were giving caring people. You know what I mean? It was, it was, she was really good at what she did. So it was kind of like, you know, um, I feel like she very psychologically knew how to like ask, but not ask if that makes sense. You know, do you think that she believed herself pregnant or did she just make it all up? I believe that she made it all up because we knew that the baby dad situation. Well, looking back, I'm pretty sure that she was fighting for the baby dad. But to us, she made it sound like they didn't communicate. He was a horrible person. He was so mean to her. He was controlling. And that's why she was giving the babies up for adoption. Mm -hmm. And in the state of New York. A birth father does not need to sign over right, which is why we were finalizing in New York, because in PA, the birth father does have to sign off. Mm-hmm. So I believe that she made it all up as something such kind of one of those like, let's trap the dad type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of what she was doing. But I think it went, it might have gone further than what she wanted it to. But she still took from us. (laughs) Yeah. At what point in time did you realize it was a scam? One of the things that um, I did kind of want to put out there was I feel like the news story didn't really explain that in her state, when we did get the attorneys in her state in the state of New York, we were required to pay living expenses. We were required to pay hospital bills, doctor bills, transportation, all that stuff, which is what we ended up paying her, mm-hmm. paying where she was living and staying and all of that stuff, <clears throat> um, which I felt like in that interview, people didn't realize that because of the comments that I read and the way that that attorney spoke. So I just kind of wanted to put that out there first. And then when we realized that we were totally screwed was when it was like a week past her due date. And now mind you, we're in a different state. We're about four hours from where she was. She told us over and over her birth plan was to have us there. Um, At one point I have a saved message. She asked us to be her medical like decision makers if something were to happen. So we were like ready, packed and ready to go. So the, her due date, was August the 8th. Now, mind you, she's due with twins. Right. She should have had them in like July. (laughs) Yes. Originally, it was July 31st via C-section. And then it was, well, the babies are too small, so they're going to let me try to go into labor on my own. Okay. So then the 8th came and gone. Um, And then I think the day after her due date, she had one of her regular checkups, and she told us that she was like 80 centimeters diet 
wait, 80% of face, two centimeters dilated. We were like, they are going to keep her. They're not going to let her go home. So we're ready to go. She's like, no, my inductions take forever. I'll let you guys know. That Sunday, my husband was like, we're getting a hotel. Like we're getting a hotel for the two weeks. We knew for the ICPC that we would be there for at least two weeks um, until we could bring the babies home. So when we told her, my husband was like, I will see you tomorrow, meaning Monday, that Monday after her due date of the 8th, she freaked out. That Sunday night, she freaked out on us, you know, messaging us, telling us, you know, it would have been nice to have some kind of um, heads up. I don't like to be blindsided. We're like, what are you talking about? Blindsided? Like the babies are due any day. We want to be close to the hospital. Like we're not going to intrude on your privacy, but we're going to be close. And then that's when she was like, I'm going to contact the attorneys and block this from Facebook. That something was indeed wrong. (laughs) As soon as she blocked us, like on messenger, like she had her last say and was like, I'm contacting Natalie, which was the attorney's paralegal. So how much did you end up losing because of this adoption scam? It was probably about 10 grand between the attorneys and paying her. Listeners today might be asking, were there red flags? Right. Um, and my husband is a nurse. Like he's an ER nurse. We have fr- obviously friends who are nurses and in the field. So like the things that she was telling us wasn't anything that not that like for us not to believe, like, you know, we would get upset when she would make plans for us to be at appointments and then something would come up that we couldn't be there. That was one of our red flags that, but that was all, but that was also, we had answers to that. That's when the um, caseworker and our attorney were like, some birth moms just want that time. Just let her go. It's okay. It's not abnormal. We were like, okay. So we stopped pushing the issue. So that was really the only red flag that we had was her not letting us at appointments. But but that was always like justified and it made sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What advice would you give a couple just starting off on their adoption journey that you've learned from this experience? You know, and people were like, did you get a proof of pregnancy? That was one of the big questions that we had. No, we didn't. Maybe that's something that I would suggest is because she did provide us with pictures. She did provide us with baby bump pictures of herself. She provided us with a teddy bear that had heartbeats in it. So we would not have felt, we didn't feel the need to ask for that. So I think that's something that I would, that's probably the number one thing. We had our attorneys, but because we saw her met, like, you know, and all that stuff, I don't even think the attorneys thought that this was fake because of everything that she provided us. Mm -hmm. So I think that is what I would recommend I mean, it, obviously people are like, well, duh, that's like a no brainer. But in our situation, really, I mean, who would think to be like, okay, you gave us all this. Now I want proof that you're actually pregnant. <laughs> like that just doesn't make any sense. We're naturally trusting people. Yes. You know? <laughs> and I think in this situation with sharing our story, some of the comments that I've read, which I shouldn't be reading, it is so frustrating because no, we're not idiots. No. But in the situation... You don't think to be like, okay, well, that little picture that you made us, like she made us um, with the ultrasound pictures that were even shown on the thing, but it was framed. Like it was a collage with like her belly and, and the ultrasound picture. So no, we're not like, can you unframe that? So we can see, no, you don't think to ask that stuff. And when you're in that situation, you are blinded to what outsiders might be like, okay, well, you don't see the hospital name or her name on there. 
So yes. I but think if you, that- if you've never seen an ultrasound, because see for myself, like I went through fertility five times, had a miscarriage and we adopted three. I've never seen an ultrasound. Right. I don't need, you know, I, I don't know. I wouldn't even know what to look for. Like, Oh, there's an ultrasound. Hmm. Okay. It looks like a um, weird black swirly stuff. <laughs> I know. You know? And if you think about it, like who is going to think, Oh, could she have gotten those from Google? Like, yeah. like you don't think about that stuff when you are in the situation and trusting somebody. And we, and I like friended her. Like that was one of the hardest things for me. My, the hardest thing for my husband was the loss of the babies again, because he doesn't have any, that was hard for me, but I also, it was hard because of the betrayal. Like it Mm -hmm. would really mess with my head in the fact that this woman, I, when I say I talk to her every day, I talk to her every day, like all day long, every single day. So she became like, when I say that we loved her, like, we loved her as much as we loved those babies. Like she became a part of our family. So we, we just didn't think to question her in those ways. So I think, you know, in a situation like that, had we just had our attorneys just been like, Hey, we need, we need the proof of pregnancy before we can move on or before the Obbins can pay you more money. We need this paperwork done. We didn't push that because we trusted her. So I think that's probably the biggest thing is to actually have that proof because yeah. you really don't know, you know, yeah. what are your plans to raise the funds again? We haven't really thought that far ahead. Um, when we shared our story the first time I had a blog that I blogged and put that out there before she was arrested. And my blog was very nice. I did not put her name on there. Anything. Somebody had asked us about a GoFundMe and we were like, no, we don't have a GoFundMe page because we were not trying to like put our story out there for people to feel bad and pay us. You know what I mean? Like that was not our intention, but somebody said to us, you know, because through our business and through the years, we have put out thousands of dollars in blessing other people. Actually, just for Christmas, we've did the same for a mother who couldn't afford for her kids. Here we are struggling, but we're always helping other people. Mm -hmm. So we were like, you know what? I think it's okay if people want to bless us in that way. So we did set up a GoFundMe page at this point in time in hopes that maybe we get blessed in a financial way this time to help us kind of achieve that goal and be able to, you know, um, have that dream come true. So Ashley and her husband, Josh, have a Facebook group called Hope for Our Rainbow Baby. You can find them on Facebook. So here's my advice for overcoming an adoption scam. There's five steps, which come from the love and money curriculum. The first one is create a motivating vision. The second is to identify obstacles in advance. The third is to break your plan into small steps. The fourth is to change your environment. And the fifth is to get and provide social support. So let's talk about create a motivating vision. One of the things I do and I teach a class is to have people draw a picture of what their goal is over the next 12 months and really put that into your mind and vision it. And as you're you're taking it from your mind, you're putting it onto the paper, you're committing yourself and changing how you feel. I have a really good friend who's extremely crafty. Love her. I I am not crafty and she can make these amazing vision boards of of the dreams and the hopes that she has and and I'm just simple you know just a picture something that will remind you of 
what exactly you're aiming towards. And I remember when I was single, I had a picture of me and a guy because I envisioned myself with a man. And this is what I was going to do. I was going to get married and I got married when I was 34, but that was my visualization. So if you want to have a baby, if you want to adopt a toddler, I want you to take a picture. You can draw it. You could cut it out. You can print it out. You could, you can make it out of Play-Doh, whatever you want to do, but make it so that it's a motivating vision for you. The second step, which is identify obstacles in advance. What is it that is going to stop you from reaching this goal of having that forever family? What financial difficulties are you facing right now that would stop it from happening? And then I want you to ask yourself, are these really obstacles or are they just excuses? And if they're excuses, then stop making excuses and let's create a way to be able to overcome those obstacles. The next one, the third one is break your plan into small steps. I don't know if you've ever read the book by Shel Silverstein where the girl is eating the whale and she starts eating it one bite at a time and it takes her years to finally finish it. And, and then she's still hungry at the end. But but when you have a big plan in front of you and you see, okay, I need to save $20,000. Okay, that's your big plan. That seems very overwhelming, but you need to break it down into smaller baby steps that are manageable. Look at it on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, over a six month period of time and keep track of that. I do have an Excel spreadsheet I send to subscribers to my website that they can keep track of the money that they have been earning or have been raising for their adoption or their fertility journey. And I also have a list of grants listed on that a handout as well. The fourth thing is to change your environment. Take a few minutes after dinner, 10 minutes with your partner and sit down and talk about your day spending and where you spent your money, how you reached your goal, and then track that money so that you can reach your goal faster. The last one, number five, is to get and provide social support. I cannot emphasize this enough. When you're going through your journey, you feel so lonely. Some of the women that I've met and couples um, that I've talked to over the years, they always feel like they're by themselves. There are adoption support groups on on social media. There are communities of groups that meet in your local community for fertility, for adoption, for foster care. And I want you to find those groups and join them. Also, we do have a Facebook page, our Family Money Coaching, and that can be a place for us to, to talk and to create that social support that we need to make it through this journey. I want to thank you for tuning in to Family Money Coaching. We listened to Ashley Aubon today talk about her experience with the adoption scam that they experienced in 2018. And then I gave five steps on how to five steps on how to overcome an adoption scam and prepare financially for your adoption. I encourage you to subscribe and we'd love for you to give us a follow on Facebook at Family Money Coaching. Until next time, live your financial life with intention.